0: Hey Anna, remember that time the father of the American Revolution got a beer named after him?
1: Hello and welcome to Remember That Time,
0: an historical podcast. I'm your host, Anna Webb. And I'm your host, Amanda Webb. This is a podcast where two sisters totally geek out about all of their favorite moments in history. And this week, I'm going to tell you guys all about Samuel Adams. Woohoo! This is the second time that
1: I'm hearing about Samuel Adams because, <laughs> spoiler alert, friends, we had some audio problems this Yeah, week, it was rough. And we're re-recording right Yes, now. so this
0: episode is later in the week than you're used to, but that's all right. I'm so
1: sorry if the joke sounds stale. I'm try not <laughs> to make the same one. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but um, I'm excited to talk about him for the first time with everyone else, and again (laughs) with you, because I love Samuel Adams. I think that he's, like, probably the most important figure in the American Revolution, and I just am excited to talk about him. For all of our non-American listeners, this is going to be a pretty comprehensive overview Mm -hmm. of the American Revolution. (laughs) At least the beginnings of the American Revolution. Yes. Not as much of the actual war, yeah, but exactly. he had a hand in basically every part of the early days of the revolution. So we're going to get a lot of that in this episode. So just so everybody knows.
1: Yeah, and I think let's go ahead and apologize to our um, our British listeners, <laughs> if we have any. Um, I'm really sorry. This is just, you're just, it's not going to look good for
0: you. <laughs> and I apologize. We're not yeah. doing
1: it because we don't like you now it's just the way things were
0: it was rough and i'm sorry
1: in fact i love england very Same. much i'm a massive fan of your football teams a lot of them mm-hmm. premier league national teams love them <laughs> um would you like a drink update yes of course i'm having some coffee Ooh, today
0: this is oh. an earlier record time than we're used to yeah so, I tracks.
1: <laughs> so it's coffee i mean it is the afternoon mm-hmm. but i way overslept today and so I'm having my coffee post lunch. Oh. Which rarely happens. But that's an
0: interesting energy mm-hmm. to have to have.
1: I'm gonna be up so late. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I'm old now and that's what caffeine does to you when you're old. <laughs> I'm drinking water. Ah. Delicious. <laughs> I'm so upset that you're drinking water because spoiler alert, y'all, um, when we recorded this the first time, she wasn't drinking I water. Wasn't drinking and she water. had a whole thing about not drinking water. And it was such
0: a, a moment, and we'll have to just wait until it happens again, yeah, which will be probably not anytime soon. Sorry, y'all missed that. I like a water when we record; it
1: helps me talk. I know. I'm also sorry that I'm not drinking a Sam Adams. Tragic. I don't like Sam Adams that much, but
0: I don't like beer that much. <laughs>
1: the beer, yeah, I don't. I'm not a huge beer person. I'm definitely mm-hmm. not a Sam Adams person. Yeah, more of a stout gal myself. <laughs> Unless Sam Adams wants to give me money, and
0: then I and mean, then the, I'll take I
1: it. mean the beer company, not the man. He's dead.
0: <laughs> he did have a he, lot of money, though. He he uh, he had some money. He we'll had get into some it. Money. <laughs> well, should we go ahead and dive in, get yeah, into let's our hit boy it. Sam's life? Let's hit it. So Samuel Adams is born to Samuel Adams Senior. And May Adams on September 27th, 1722, in Boston, in the Massachusetts colony. So this is before it was a state. And after it was the Massachusetts Bay colony. I think it's like the Providence of Massachusetts at this point. Their charter Something has like been that. through it. Um, the... His birthday is recorded as September 16th because there was the old style calendar, but that's been since translated to September 27th. So yes,
1: we've heard about the old style calendar before. Yes, if you recall my episode about the Romanovs where we talked about it a good bit.
0: Yes, because all of those dates are like, what day was it? We don't really know, but this is as <laughs> close as we can estimate. But we know his birthday on two different calendars, which is a rarity for us. Yes. Day and year oh my god that's crazy who are we on two calendars and some people we can't even get it on one <laughs> so sam is one of 12 children Oof. but one of only three who will survive past the age of three.
1: Ugh. you know sometimes i just think about those poor moms and like <sighs> what their bodies go through first yes. 12 children and then
0: to only have three live to like Ex- yeah Like, that's a lot to go through to only ever have three living children. That's terrible. And for them, it was like they would have a kid, and then they would not start getting attached to their kid until they hit about age three, because it was just so likely that they would die. I was at um, Henderson Hall, which is like a local historic place in our area, um, the other day, and they were talking, they had the same issue where they had, like, I think, like, a cra- like, something like 12 children. Like, th- a crazy I amount of children. I felt like it
1: was, like, 14. Yeah, it was
0: something... It's something wild like that. Yeah. And they also only had, I think, two or three survive. Like, that was just life. That's just how they lived. I can't imagine that. No. Oh, geez. So, Sam's parents are devout Puritans. Sure. So, he grows up with a lot of Puritan values. Massachusetts. You know how it be. <laughs> <laughs> um, and... <laughs> Some of those values will be very important to Sam later in life, but, you know. Others, not so much. Others, not so much. Yep. Yeah, like, for sure. Uh, Samuel Adams Sr. is a merchant and a church deacon. And was largely known as Deacon Adams. So that's just what I'm going to call him from now on. So mm-hmm. I don't have to be juggling two Sams.
1: <laughs> it's always tough to be juggling two Sams.
0: Well, and later it'll be three. Because Sam named one of his, his kids kid Sam, Sam too. Yeah. Which is just like, thanks so much Enough, for Enough, <laughs> men. We get it. You know,
1: the, there's this moment in Gilmore Girls in like the first season where she says, some, Rory says something about her mom naming her after her. And she's like, men do it all the time so i can't women and i was like yeah you're you know right what? yeah <laughs> and i've already made a gilmore girls reference here we go there we go it's all
0: it's all happening in massachusetts gonna it's all downhill some, from here
1: there's gonna be some gilmore girls references although they are from connecticut but you know that's the whole close thing. enough and um a lot of
0: references to our boston trip that we took oh my god ago. yeah we'll yes don't even <laughs> trip on that that's gonna be a lot <laughs> So, Deacon Adams is a member of the Boston Caucus, which is, like, the group that uh, promotes a lot of political figures, so they sort of shape the agenda of the Boston Town Meeting, which is not like a town meeting where the whole town goes and, like, sits in a room and talks. Like in Gilmore Girls. Like in Gilmore Girls. (laughs) It's like a city council, so there are, like, elected members, and it's their official political meeting of the town. Yes hence the town meeting you know how it be <laughs> you said that twice now i know <laughs> uh deacon adams is dirt throughout his life he is a justice of the peace a selectman which is like a city councilman like taylor and- on gilbert girls <laughs> so <sorry>. oh no <laughs> um and he's a member of the massachusetts house of representatives he works with the Popular Party, which is not an official name for a party because there like <laughs> aren't political parties
1: now. People like us, and not you, so we're going to be called the Popular Party. Yeah,
0: yeah, like, official like, title, which is rough. Sorry um, that I'm so popular, but this is the group that's later going to be known as the Whigs or the Patriots. So the mm. Popular Party is like basically not super nationalistic people. You know, like they don't—they're yeah. not that nuts about England. <laughs> Which is like, I get it.
1: (laughs) Now I have popular from Wicked stuck in my head. Okay, continue. Oh, no.
0: (laughs) So Sam starts school at the Boston Latin School, and then he starts at Harvard College in 1763. And he graduates in 1740. So his parents want him to become a pastor, but Sam has a lot of interest in politics. Like, obviously, because look (laughs) at his dad. (laughs) And so he decides that's not for him. (laughs) And he stays at Harvard and graduates with a master's degree in 1743. And so not only did his dad have, like, that big hand in politics his whole life, so obviously he's going to have an interest in politics, he also had this weird, like, banking scandal thing that wasn't really the, like, Patriots' fault. I can't describe it well, but there was this whole, like, falling out thing that his dad had to go through and sam had to like the brits deal with got the... involved yeah and sam yeah. had to deal with the consequences of that for a long time in his life and so that also shaped his view of england and a their grudge. policies yeah a, grudge. a little bit a yeah. little grudge not a huge grudge, not but... the grudge not but <laughs> but a grudge, but a grudge. yeah yep yeah. So after leaving Harvard, Sam starts working at Thomas Cushing's Counting House, which is an accounting house. Sure. Why do we do these things with language? Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But Cushing thinks that Sam is too preoccupied with his interests in politics to become a good merchant, which is accurate. (laughs) So then Deacon Adams, determined to get Sam into business... Lends him a thousand pounds to start his own business. And then he's swamped in business. This <laughs> is business an calls.
1: obscure uh, Star Kid reference for anyone who's That we who's can't continue because it then it starts
0: being curses. <laughs> I
1: woke up with that song stuck in
0: my head this morning. Anyway. <laughs> Amazing. Um, but a thousand pounds is a lot mm-hmm. of money back then. Like a lot of money. And the Adams family is like old money. They. They come from, you know, they've been established for a long time. Yeah. But that's still a lot of money to loan to your, like, dumb, barely adult kid – Who's well, already bad at business, Amanda? It is the American way. It <laughs> apparently was even before
1: America was America.
0: Yeah, yes, it was. <sighs> um, so of course Sam quickly loses all of that money. Naturally, also the American way. Uh huh. Um, and he has to go for to work for his father instead. Also the American way. Yeah. when i say he was uh trying to he was the father of america in many
1: ways it applies to everything
0: whole life yeah so sam becomes a partner at his father's malt house so that's you know where they make the malt that is needed to brew beer Uh, the Adams family for many, many, many generations were Malters, so that's where their money comes from. That's what they've done for a really long time. So, Sam's dad was a deacon in in politics, but he also ran their malt house because that's what the Adamses did. It's the family Um, business. The family business. It's not my dream, Dad, it's yours. It's your dream! And that's kind of mine, because... So, Sam, in some documents, has sometimes been described as a brewer, but he was not a brewer. He never brewed beer. He just made malt. The women brewed the beer. The women brewed the beer. Often.
1: That's what we learned in Boston.
0: Yes, we did. It's one of the first things we learned when we were there. (laughs) Not kidding. Yes. (laughs) Yes, it is. Um... But I think that's why he, down the line, got the beer named after him, even well, though he was, like, never really involved with making the beer, but, you people know. People will also name beer after just about anything. They'll, people will name anything after any <laughs> of the founding true. fathers. Because when I had to go look up stuff about John Hancock for this, because he's mm. a part of this story, it was all insurance. <laughs> it's very annoying. <laughs> When I looked up Sam Adams, it was, like, person or beer? <laughs>
1: Hard to say.
0: Hard to say. <laughs> Who knows? Um, so, in January of 1748, Sam and his friends start writing a-, a political newspaper called The Independent Advisor. So, this is where Sam gets to start, like, expressing his political views instead of just, like, sitting around the family table being like, y'all politics huh and everybody being like shut up (laughs) times is so hard so he gets to publish a lot of his political essays and most of them are about like early early on most of his essays are about resisting the encroachment of their constitutional rights in the colonies right like he's really well educated about what the british constitutions and bills and all of that stuff say about what they can and can't do to the colonies and he always has been and so this is like a issue that he's always cared about he also writes a little bit about the dangers of new england losing its puritan values which is like can can you just pick one
1: about the dangers of new england keeping its puritan values because i'll tell you something they definitely were there Uh uh-huh Salem witch trials Uh
0: uh-huh and uh you know there's also the only reason we have several of our other northernmost states is because the puritans just really hated women true it's a whole oh, lot so true <laughs> um although for sam that was not the puritan values he cared about he really only cared about purity and not Specific. even in like a like a sexual purity just in like a we should all be good and pure human beings like that's mm. what he was into mm-hmm. sure. which is will be interesting in his later life sure <laughs> okay so, Deacon Adams dies in 1748, and Sam has to take over responsibility of the family's affairs. You're the man of the house now, Sam. So, yeah. 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 Which is not his gig. He doesn't no. really like that that much, because he doesn't really like money in general, and so, you know. Ugh, money. What a hassle. <laughs> in October of 1749, Sam marries Elizabeth Checkley- they have six children, but only two survive to adulthood, same which old, same is old. typical, um, and those are Samuel and Hannah. Elizabeth dies after having a stillborn son in 1757, which Bad. is all too common in our <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry,
1: y'all. That inadvertently
0: became a theme.
1: Yep. It's just history, you know? What yes. Do you
0: to do? There's no way around it. Yep. Uh, Sam would later go on to remarry to Elizabeth Wells in 1764, but they have no more children after that. That's the life that I always knew of from, from with him. him with Elizabeth? The, yes. Yeah. Or the second Elizabeth, rather? The second
1: Elizabeth. Elizabeth Wells, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, that's because that's when most of his active political career was happening. Right, right. Was during the time that they were married sam begins working officially in politics in 1747 so now he's no longer just like writing essays and like shouting into the void he like has a real job <laughs> uh he is elected as a clerk to the boston market which mm-hmm. is just so not his gig <laughs> yeah money Ugh. And here we're even going to go further into it not being his gig. In 1756, the Boston Town Meeting elects him as a tax collector. Oh no! This is bad. That's He's bad. Very bad at this job. He doesn't collect from a lot of people, which makes him very popular with the people, but yeah, really right. unpopular with his superiors because <laughs> he gets because about of course. Yeah. He gets about 8,000 pounds in oh. debt and he puts the town meeting near bankruptcy because he's not collecting the taxes that they need to run as a city. Um, um it's bad. He is forced to file suit against the taxpayers who haven't paid him, but many of them don't pay well, again yeah. because he doesn't care. He's he been doesn't letting push them get it. away with it. Yeah. I think enough people paid it off and they scrounged up enough money that the court decides to make Sam responsible for only 1,463 of those pounds.
1: Oh, is that all?
0: Is that all? Again, a lot of money for back then. Yeah, although less than 8,000 pounds. (laughs) Yes, yes, definitely. Much less than 8,000. Uh-huh. His friends will end up paying some of that debt for him, and the town meeting ends up just writing off the rest of the debts, and he doesn't have to worry about it anymore. And, like, he- this <laughs> should have ruined him. He is the end of It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> I liked the verbiage of that. <laughs> well, he is. He totally is. And it's Daddy, and it's because Daddy, he's...
1: teacher says.
0: <laughs> it's because he's so good to the Well-liked. people. Yeah. that people rally around him and don't really care that he like messed up this bad and it's it's just because he literally just like does not care about money and that comes a little bit from like him being well off for most of his childhood but also from him just deciding early on that he's never going to work a job that's going to pay him well and he doesn't care oh my he, god if only his, yeah his 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 family like he's always really frugal and like doesn't really care that he doesn't have very much and that will continue for the rest of his life that's just like always how he is Ugh. if i could have that life uh-huh. so sam's most important political work begins after the french and indian war so the british fight this war and they get into terrible debt it's a bad war it's a bad war it's and they spend smart. way too much way too much money on it <laughs> And so this, they're trying to figure out how to get more money to pay off their debt. So they decide to start taxing the colonies for the first time. Big mistake. Huge. A huge (laughs) mistake. Like, this is the worst thing they could have done. And there were some of their colonies where they just, like, didn't have enough people there for it to really matter. People were just like, I guess we're getting taxed now. But you do not do that in a colony full of British citizens. Yeah. Like, some of their other colonies were, like, a few British citizens went over, declared it as their own, and the people who lived there were, like, I guess we're British now. But, like, all of the Americas were British citizens British who people. went to yeah. go set up shop over there because they wanted to. It was Well, I and mean, it was supposed to
1: be mutually beneficial to the yeah. the two areas, you know, a lot going in and a lot coming out. Uh-huh. And, oof, Britain, you
0: done. You done effed up on this one. Yeah, it's bad. And it's going to just continue to get worse and worse as we go on. They done goofed. They done goofed. So in 1764, the British passed the Sugar Act, which would tax the colonists on things like sugar and molasses. This initially is not that big of a deal. Rich people food. Things like sugar and molasses are rich people food. Yeah. Uh, Because the taxes uh, thus far had been lower, it was starting to become a more commonplace, like, household thing. But still, largely, it was, like, only for people who could afford it. Right. And so, people are not crazy about this, but it doesn't cause a huge uproar initially because not everybody was terribly affected by it. Uh, So, Sam, when this is passed, thinks that it is an infringement of their rights because... The colonists do not have any representatives in parliament, so they should not be able to be taxed by a body that does not represent them. No
1: taxation without representation.
0: Drilled into our heads we in said American 1, schools. We said 1,000 times in yep. school. <laughs> yep. But it was, I mean, it was a huge deal to these people. That's, like, the reason our government works the way it does now is because they never wanted this to happen again. Yep. So, in May of 1764, the Boston town meeting elects, uh, or they meet to elect a new House representative, as they do every so often. The representatives are always given written instructions from the people they represent, obviously. Um, Hmm. So, the town meeting elects Sam to be the one who drafts and writes the instructions. In these instructions, Sam says... For if our trade may be taxed, why not our lands? Why not the produce of our lands and everything we possess or make use of? This we apprehend... it Annihilates. <laughs> annihilates our charter rights to govern and tax ourselves. It strikes at our British privileges, which as we have... Never fortified them. We hold in common with our fellow subjects who are natives of Britain. If taxes are laid upon us in any shape without our having legal representation, where are they laid? Are we not reduced from the charter of free subjects to the miserable state of tributary slaves? It's it's like that sucks to be slaves, huh, Sam? (laughs) It's
1: almost like um, people don't want to be in.
0: Laved it's like that's people. bad and we should stop doing that super that'll take us a little weird. while longer unfortunately but super weird something to think about maybe yeah okay. <laughs> keep that in mind oh, uh we'll okay. get back to that later i guess Jeez. <laughs> but that's like i he's right on like if you're gonna if you can tax us and we have no representation are, are we not just doing your manual labor for you right. you know like are we not citizens So the town meeting approves of Sam's instructions, and it becomes the first political body in America to go on record stating that Parliament cannot constitutionally tax the colonists. Mm -hmm. Which is huge. It's in writing now. Because that's the whole of the revolution. Yeah. Like, that's that's the start of it all, and it was his words
1: that did that. And it's... Like, putting it – putting in writing that you disagree with the king and the (laughs) king's government Mm -hmm. is a pretty big deal.
0: Yeah. Yes, it is. At this Uh, point. His instructions that he writes also contain the first official recommendation that the colonies present a unified defense for their rights – so he not only is he saying this is bad, we shouldn't do this. He's also the first person to say we should all get together and figure out how to make this not happen. Rock, which is like an eagle. <laughs> That's all I can think of is
1: Charlie's speech and always sunny. Yeah, wow! I don't
0: think we've had an always sunny reference on the podcast mm-hmm. yet. God bless. Well,
1: I feel very privileged that I was the first.
0: <laughs> so. Sam makes a huge deal out of this when nobody else really does yet, but it is super important that he's done this. It's a huge deal. In 1765, Parliament passes the Stamp Act, which is a tax on most printed material. So Mm -hmm. this is a way bigger deal than the Sugar Act, because everybody uses printed material. Right merchants who sell printed material are going to be affected by this. The people who have to buy from them are going to be offended, affected by this. Like everybody, like they have to write on whatever they send them. And there's a huge tax on tax on these printed materials. Like this is a big, big deal compared to the sugar act. Like th- no question. Uh, James Otis jr. Who is a Massachusetts house member. Uh, he is been a colonial rights defender for a while and he works with Sam creates the Stamp Act Congress to help develop a well-coordinated colonial response to the new tax. Sam oh and many others that he works with start calling for a boycott of British goods until Parliament will repeal the tax. Okay, talk about something for a second. <laughs> because there has, I not terribly recently, but more recently, been a view that Sam was the grand mastermind between behind, like, any piece of violence that happened during the early days of the revolution, it, he it all gets blamed on him. Well, and so this of course little av- does, yeah. This little event that happens is like an example of that happening to him. So in August, a patriot group called the Loyal Nine hang a stamp distributors at, er, in effigy from the Liberty Tree in Boston, which we saw. Uh, and a few did. days later, an angry crowd will ransack Lieutenant Governor Thomas Hutchinson's house. So some people start blaming Sam for inciting this violent, not because he's a part of the local nine, but just because he's close with those dudes. Well, and, and they're talking about his ideas. Yes, and That's there's no evidence of any part of if him being part of that violence in any way. And there isn't for basically any of the other violence that Sam will sometimes get blamed for. He often uses propaganda to spread it after the fact- Oh, yes. But he, which we'll talk about more later. But he, he like never incites it. That's not his gig. That's not what he does. And I think just for so long, people were like idolizing him that some historians were like, we need to take this guy down a peg. He did all the violence, and he really didn't. There's no evidence of it.
1: Now, those people certainly used his ideas. Yes. And the things that he wrote as their justification for that but that's not the same thing as him
0: saying like go out and commit it yeah it's one thing to like write something that somebody reads and then they go oh we should go do this and it's entirely different thing to go up to somebody and say you should go do this yeah or to be in the room yeah and he wasn't you know they may have talked about it around him but it wasn't he was not the one to be like yeah go do that that's a good idea and and that's important too because a lot of Sam's platform later on will rely on the fact that they are not just a bunch of like mobs ma- mobs yeah yeah. In September of 1765, Sam is again selected to write the instructions for the new representatives, but then he gets elected to be one of Boston's oh. four uh, Massachusetts House representatives. So he writes the instructions and then later they're like, actually, we want you to do it. So he ended up writing his own instructions, yeah. <laughs> which is you know fine. Um, while James Otis is at the Stamp Act Congress, uh, Sam is at the Massachusetts House writing resolutions against the Stamp Act, a lot of which will get sent to that Congress, and the stuff that they pass isn't as, like, doesn't have the real strong language that Sam would prefer. Well, (laughs) Because he's trying to make a really uniformed front, but people are still trying to, like, still be friends with Britain, you know? (laughs) You're in
1: politics
0: now, baby. You gotta play the game. Yes, yes. That is... He's deep in it now. Yeah. Uh the Stamp Act was supposed to go into effect on November first, seventeen sixty five, but it never gets enforced because the colonists compelled all of the stamp distributors to resign. So they're like, If you can't sell them to the distributors, the tough, it's not gonna happen. And you so got they nothing. were nothing. Yep. Yeah. So British merchants who were all losing money because their printing products weren't getting sold, end up convincing Parliament to repeal the Stamp Act.
1: Uh-huh. So it
0: still takes the British merchants to get it repealed and the colonists are not i mean their actions are the ones to get it repealed but if the british merchants hadn't complained they would have kept trying to enforce that well yeah in may of 1766 sam is re-elected to the house and is chosen to be the house clerk and this is the same year that john hancock will be elected and he sort of becomes sam's protege because up to this point john hancock is just like the richest man in massachusetts (laughs) Uh, which is probably why he got elected, but he had no idea what to do in politics, so Sam was like, come here, let me show you a thing. (laughs) Still wasn't super good at it, though. Yeah, he gets better. (laughs) But he's kind of just there. Yeah. He's just rich and there. (laughs) Yeah, rich and there. That's exactly (laughs) right. we will end up meaning a lot, but, you know. Yeah. But the only reason John Hancock, like, has any effect at all, which he will later on, is because Sam taught him everything he knew. Right. Uh, After the failure of the Stamp Act, Parliament tried again with the Townshead Acts in 1767. These acts would attempt to enforce, enforce the quartering of soldiers, which was like, if a soldier shows up at your house and wants to live with you and eat your food, you have to let them, which everyone hated. Well, yeah. It would tax glass, lead, paint, and paper, again, a bunch of products that, like, everybody uses, And it would create a customs agency that would be there to try and enforce these new taxes. And it would base that customs agency in Boston. So the taxes implemented by these acts were actually pretty low because Parliament hoped to show that they could enforce taxes before they raised them. They were basically trying to say, like, look, these aren't that bad. You can live with this, right? And they were like, if we can enforce those, then we'll raise them later and it won't be a big deal. It's just like my rent.
1: (laughs) just keep living here Uh uh-huh
0: it's like my tuition and i just keep going
1: there i know that game (sighs) four years of that
0: game uh parliament also intended to eventually down the line use the revenue from the new taxes to pay governors and judges who have up to this point been paid by the colonists sneaky
1: sneaky sis
0: and that will become a huge deal here pretty soon so the official court where they do all of their you know politics is (laughs) is it in session (laughs) it it isn't in session when the news of the townside acts reaches the colonies so sam just gets up and organizes another boycott of british goods like all on his own sure he just calls up all his friends and he's like well i guess we're at it again friends let's (sighs) start boycotting and he spreads it around back 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 again again. (laughs) it's Sam is back. Tell tell, tell the king. <laughs> yeah, tell many friends. In January of 1768, the Massachusetts house sends a petition to King George himself. Oh, the tyrant King George, of course. <laughs> that was an office reference, believe wow. it or not. Wow, yeah. And they they send the petition to the other colonies to sign so they can show that they're united in their frustrations and it's not just Massachusetts. And there's a dude who is like, well, you can't do that. I'll, I'll disband all the other House of Representatives if they sign it. And, like, you can't do that. That's terrible. And then the Massachusetts House goes, actually, we super can. And they double down. And then they send another petition to King George to say, hey, will you fire this guy? <laughs> Which I really King appreciate. King George is like,
1: no, but,
0: <laughs> but I love asking. <laughs> because they were like the initial petition didn't pass by that that many votes but right. then as soon as that guy was like you can't do that they all went actually we super can and then yeah. really doubled down on it uh the customs board which was established by the town Acts and was headquartered in boston couldn't enforce any of the taxes and trade regulations that they made in boston because everybody was like no we're not gonna do that so they request military assistance. Mm, and this is where it all starts to go downhill. Uh-oh. The HMS Romney arrives in May of 1768 and tensions begin to build because of the military pre- presence, obviously. And also the captain of the ship starts impressing local sailors, which is forcing them to serve like without like, their consent they are just like hey you're a soldier for the british now come along cool Uh, and everyone hates that obviously and actually there was a little bit of this happening really early in sam's life and so his early political writings were inspired by that that he was angry that that was happening so it just comes full circle that it starts happening again and he's like um super not thank you i would i would love it if you would stop doing that Uh, so custom officials attempt to seize the Liberty, which is a ship owned by John Hancock, a privately owned ship. Okay, bad idea there. (sighs) Uh, but when they try to tow the boat away, a riot breaks out. Obviously, because like, not only is that owned by a beloved member of their society, a bunch of people work for that dude, so they're not going to just let you take it. Like. It's a bad move. The officials who were attempting to take the ship all board the Romney and flee the harbor to a nearby uh, island. Bye. And after this little spout of violence, four British Army regiments are sent to Boston. Oh boy, here we go. So now we are in the occupation of Boston, which was uh, the real big start of it all. It gets, really pops off here. (laughs) It does. Everything's coming up Boston, (laughs) y'all. Well, not for a second.
1: No, but eventually.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, During the occupation, Sam spends a lot of time writing about the unconstitutional, unconstitutionality, wow. There you go. That's uh, a rough word. It is. um, Of the occupation, and about how it violated the colonists' rights, obviously. Again. Uh, some people say that this is the period when Sam gave up on reconciling with Britain and started to lean towards independence as the solution to their problems. So there's no, like, a, you know, real way to actually tell that. There's nothing official. But it's clear that during this period he sees that if they are going to send a bunch of army guys to try and suppress them, they have no interest in representing them. Because up until this point, the goal was not to be their own country it was to make britain represent them better right but i think he starts to understand that that's just not going to happen in the situation that they're in so on march 5th 1770 a verbal altercation between a civilian and a british soldier turns into a riot and eventually the soldiers will fire into a crowd without orders to do so and they kill a former slave, Christmas Attucks, and two tradesmen, Samuel Gray and James Caldwell. The next day, two other men, Samuel Maverick and Patrick Carr, will die of their wounds. So this is the Boston Massacre.
1: We we were re- we stood there.
0: Yes, and we learned a lot of really interesting things about Super the Boston Massacre, which I do not have time to get into all of them. But no. it is. It's so fascinating. The event and everything that comes after are really interesting, and we'll talk about that a little bit now, but, like, if you – if that is at all interesting to you, go look up some of the stuff about it, because it's – the whole thing is really fascinating.
1: Yeah. It was, like, very cool to be there, and, like, being in Boston, it's, like – I know that people who live there, like, (laughs) literally walk over it every day, and it's, like, not a big deal, but – like we grew up in West Virginia so there wasn't really anything like that
0: yeah where
1: we were so th- all the historical sites are like
0: civil wars or fights and, and, and yeah. yeah much
1: more recent it's not it's not like the beginning of our country mm-hmm. and <laughs> heads heads up europeans that's like the oldest stuff we have yeah yes it is um so it was like very surreal to be like on the spot where something like this actually happened that
0: i've like learned about my whole life in our textbooks Uh, and stuff it's required learning yeah yeah it's yeah very very cool very interesting um so after this event is when sam starts doing like my favorite work that he does in his life i just think that the stuff that he does from here on out is like really 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 cool so, after this event, Sam and other town leaders meet with the new governor, Thomas Hutchinson, who we talked about a little bit ago. His house was raided.
1: Thomas Hutchinson. Uh, this guy. guy is a big idiot, and Ugh. we'll get into it. A
0: oh, big idiot. Um, They demand that the troops be withdrawn, and so the troops get moved to the nearby island fort of Castle William. Because this was unlike anything that had happened before. Like, before this, it was like, they would suppress some riots every now and then, but, like, they... Fired on largely innocent people. I mean, they were innocent people. Yeah. They're civilians. I mean, they were in it. Yeah. But like most of those people weren't doing anything besides just getting sort of wrapped up in the shouting. Well, you they know? shouldn't like, have fired in the first place. No, even they shouldn't. Even have. at the person who had the
1: altercation. Yeah. Because he's a civilian. Yep. And was yep. not a threat.
0: Yeah. Oh. So this is a huge deal. Sam is the person who insists that the soldiers should receive a fair trial to show that Boston was not full of lawless mobs and that they were not dangerous and they didn't need to be occupied. Because it would have been really easy for them to just, like, pull up martial law and say, those people fired without orders, they are all condemned. Right. To whatever their fate is. But Sam wanted to show that they were like a logical group of people who could govern on their own and they didn't need the military to be there. Right. Uh he gets his cousins John Adams and Josiah Quincy to defend the soldiers, two other big figures. <laughs> <laughs> um, after the event, about three weeks later, Paul Revere makes an engraving of the massacre. Which Sam will heavily spread around and popularize and this becomes like the most influential piece of propaganda in the Revolutionary War. It's a huge deal yeah and this is also really interesting because that picture is like super inaccurate well, yeah, I mean it's it's an illustration it's
1: a it's a propaganda illustration yes and it, you know it very clearly it's not is meant that. to show the actual events no. it's meant to give you what it means mm-hmm. It's, it's yeah, fascinating. Yeah, and it has changed. It's a
0: textbook piece of propaganda. Uh, it literally, it's literally. in our textbooks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. This is this is period. My favorite thing that Sam does in his life, he buries all of the victims of the Boston Massacre in his family's own grave plot, which we also saw. This was a massive deal. Huge because move. His family are, like, rich, old Boston, right? Like, they've been there white. for years and years. Yes, and white. And he buries a slave in his rich family's grave p- plot on in a segregated... Cemetery. Cemetery. Yeah. And he buries all of these, like, common man, all of these everyday people... In his grave plot, it. I mean, it was a huge deal. The whole town came out for their funeral. Yeah, the story about that was really fascinating. Yes, that we and were he's told
1: he is buried right beside them. Yeah, and the town was like at first not super into the idea. They were like, "What are you doing?" And I, I just felt this was my favorite part of the whole story was mm-hmm. when the, um, you know, he says like. Well, isn't the whole point of everything we're doing here to show that we're like united and we're like fighting for each other the same way that a family would? So like they're my
0: family, so they're going to be buried with my family. Mm-hmm. And then the whole town showed up to their funeral. It's amazing. Yeah, I, it's I, wild. I like that I have always found Sam really interesting, but learning that I was like that's it, folks. Like Yeah, that's <laughs> a pretty big move. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. <laughs> So in 1770, Parliament repeals all of the town said Acts except for the tax on tea. Ugh. Here we Which, go. Which, here we go. uh Sam wants Here's to continue. <laughs> that was a mistake. It's
1: oh, bless. Tea. Oh. Bless. I'm bless. A, can I just.
0: That's coffee, but I get you. That's not the point. It's the. whatever. <laughs> Uh, Sam wants to continue boycotting British goods, because he's afraid that if one tax gets by, then they'll just be able to keep implementing more. And he's right. But the govern like, the economy was starting to suffer, so the boycott eventually just dies out, and they're like, eh, we can live with this. In 1772, Massachusetts finds out that from here on, the salaries of the governor, lieutenant governor, and the superior court judges will be paid by the British government. Mm. Up to this point, the Massachusetts House had paid their salaries because they used it as a check on their executive powers. Saying, like, if you're going to do stuff that we don't like, we pay your salaries. Yeah, you're employed by us. Yes. But now they're about to be employed by By the the British British government. government. So in response to this, Sam and others create committees of correspondence among different Massachusetts towns so they could keep an eye on British activity without the British, like, knowing what they were saying, basically. (laughs) This is where... Thomas Hutchinson messes up so bad. Oh, what a (laughs) dumb. Governor Hutchinson became concerned that the committees of correspondence were growing into an independence movement. So he convened the general court in January of 1773. Addressing the legislator, Hutchinson argued that denying the supremacy of parliament, as some committees had done, came dangerously close to rebellion. He said, I know of no line that can be drawn between the supreme authority of Parliament and the total independence of the colonies. And then (laughs) Adams in the House responded that actually the Massachusetts Charter doesn't establish Parliament's supremacy over the province. And so Parliament couldn't claim that authority now because they never had it because the Charter never claimed that. And
1: nobody knew until he pointed it out. Until he pointed it out. (laughs) It's like it's like walking down the street and being like I have something in my teeth. Did you see? I Nobody mean, noticed
0: until you said anything, you dumb. It was so, it was so dumb Ugh. because he was afraid that they were getting too organized, so he calls this meeting and says, you can't do that. Well, now you've alerted them to a huge loophole, and, a, and now they're more organized than they've ever been. Right. Like, he totally Against messed you. it up. Against you. It was and because s- of you. It was such a big mistake. Like, I cannot believe he did that. <laughs> oh, boy. So, in May of 1773, Parliament passes the Tea Act, and this is where it all happens. <laughs> Essentially, this act will make it so the East India Company has a monopoly on the tea trade in the colonies and would put most local merchants out of business. Mm. So this did not raise the tax on tea at all. It actually lowered the tax on tea. It just meant that only one
1: company. Exactly. That was owned by the British. Uh Uh-huh had all the business
0: yep and there were a bunch of tea smugglers in the states who would get their tea way cheaper so they were all going to go out of business too like it mm, is bad so in late 1773 seven east india ships are sent to the colonies and four of those seven are going to boston so like i said this was not actually having anything to do about the taxes but it raises all of the other issues that people have had for a long time, sort of all in one little clump.
1: And it shows them
0: all of the problems that are existing. So like, they're still frustrated that they're being taxed without representation at all. And they're afraid that if they buy this tea, even though it's cheaper, they're just accepting that parliament can tax them. So that's bad. They don't want to do that. Also, the revenues from these taxes are going to be used to pay the new governors and judges. Right. So they are, the money from that they're spending is still going to pay those people. They just don't have control over that money anymore. It's all bad. It's all bad. It was the worst move they could have made. Like in this power grab, they just did one thing that showed everybody all of the problems they were having instead of letting it stay all spread out. Like Mm -hmm. it was such a mistake. So Sam and his friends used their committee of correspondence to organize their opposition in every colony except for Massachusetts, protesters were able to force the tea consignees to resign or return the tea to England. The only reason that Massachusetts couldn't do the same is because in Boston, Governor Hutchinson had convinced his sons, who were tea-, tea consignees, to resist the opposition and not resign. Ugh, so if guy. it wasn't for those two dudes, they would have been able to lock it down. This guy. On November 29th, just after the T ship Dartmouth arrives in Boston, Sam calls for a mass meeting to be held at Fennel Hall. Or Fennel
1: Hall or Fennel Hall. Because there I've heard it
0: ways to pronounce it. I've heard it both ways. <laughs> I've heard it several ways. Yep. Uh, thousands of people show up and overcrowd the hall, so they have to move down the street to the old South meeting house. Which is not that much bigger. I, I don't even know that it is bigger. I think the building is Maybe. about the same size but the meeting room was bigger yes yeah although yeah, small, though. Very yeah. Small. uh british law requires the dartmouth to unload and pay the duties within 20 days or custom officials can come and con- compensate the cargo so during this mass meeting they pass a re- resolution that sam introduced that urges the captain of the dartmouth to send the ship back without paying the import duty But Governor Hutchinson refuses to grant permission for the Dartmouth to leave without paying the duty. So now this ship is just sitting in the harbor. (laughs) Their poor captain's just like, what do I do now? (laughs) They're too afraid to unload and pay because they have guards on them all the time. A bunch of colonists are like, we've got our eye on you. And they can't leave because the British government is like, you have to unload that tea. So in the time that this ship is sitting here, two more tea ships arrive in Boston. And there's another one waiting in Cape Cod. December 16th is the last day before the cargo of the Dartmouth can be confiscated. And if they don't pay the duty, the government's just going to come and take the tea. And then that ship didn't have to pay the money and nobody had to pay the money and they're still going to sell the tea and it's nothing's going to happen, basically. Right. So they have to do something now. <laughs> 7,000 people meet at the Old South Meeting House to decide what to do. There's no way 7,000 people fit in there. I can't. (laughs) I can't understand it. After hours of debate and discussion, Sam says, this meeting can do nothing further to save the country. The popular story is that this sentence was the signal for the participants of the Tea Party to leave and go start the Tea Party. Start the party. (laughs) There's no real evidence as to whether or not that's true. But that's what's been spread. I mean, that's what they told us well, on the tour. Well, it could also just be that the timing was just made so. it look like it was, whether yes. it was or not. I like to think it was. I do too. I like to think it was. I like code words. Yeah. Um, regardless of whether or not this was the signal, within a few minutes of him saying this, people start to leave the meeting house and they head down to the harbor. Somewhere between thirty and a hundred thirty people, which is a you know wild somewhere gap. in there, somewhere in there around that some of them are poorly dis- disguised as mohawk native americans which are from like upstate new york yeah nowhere never near where they there. are and terrible costumes i mean they oh look, yeah it's so bad all these people board the three tea ships and dump all 342 chests of tea into the boston harbor over the course of three hours the boston harbor the boston harbor the boston tea party After the Tea Party, Sam works to publicize and defend it, saying that it wasn't a lawless mob, but rather a principled protest. He was saying, like, we had no other option than to do this. We weren't just a bunch of, like, rioters going up and destroying your property. Like, you gave us no choice. And, you know, he did a good job of making that
1: propaganda because when I was in school, what I learned was that this was an organized protest. Yes. Whether it was or not
0: i mean it had to have been decently organized to have
1: happened at all well i mean i don't know though like because it's totally possible somebody just went let's just go dump it and then they did that (laughs) yeah what we learned though was this was the plan Uh uh-huh you know which is, i mean just shows how good
0: he is at propaganda yeah that that was his big job (laughs) yeah so in response to the boston tea party Parliament passes the course of Acts, or as we know them here, the Intolerable Acts. Intolerable. In 1774. And all of these were, like, pretty exclusively focused on Boston. hmm They're the problem child now. Yep. <laughs> these Acts closed Boston's ports until they paid for the tea it rewrote the massachusetts charter so that the officials were royally apport- appointed rather than elected and it made it so none of their like legislator and stuff could meet and it appointed a new governor thomas gage who was like a pretty good general and so he they got that big idiot thomas hutcherson out and put in a guy who was going <laughs> to Yeah, do he something clearly for them. was not working out. Yeah, position. it was bad. <laughs> we're going to have to go a different direction. Uh, after these acts are passed, Sam starts working to oppose them, obviously. <laughs> he and the Massachusetts House organize another boycott of British goods, and he was on the committee that proposed the first ever Continental Congress. Sam is one of the delegates who has chosen to attend the first Continental Congress, and he leaves Mass- Massachusetts for the first time in his life to attend the Congress in Philadelphia. And he was, I think, 52 or somewhere near that when he leaves for the first time.
1: Not a young man.
0: No. And also, because he doesn't care about money or what he looks like, all his clothes are real busted. So all his friends buy him new clothes <laughs> <laughs> for the Congress. Sam, so you he'll simply look... cannot attend looking like that. <laughs> they need him to look presentable. <laughs> be a laughingstock, you fool. But that's something I really like to think about Sam. How he was just this, like, 50-year-old revolutionary dressed like a hippie and just, like, didn't care. He was just running around being like, we have things to do. (laughs) Uh, While he's at the First Continental Congress, Sam works with the other delegates to promote unity and resistance to the chorus of acts. So even though those acts didn't do much to affect the rest of the colonies, I think the rest of the colonies finally saw, like, if they can do that to Boston, they'll do it to the rest of us, us too. And so they unite, like, they really, really rally behind massachusetts and help them out and it all it sparks it all sam returns to massachusetts and continues working with the now illegal government bodies they keep meeting and they keep working even though they're not allowed to not sure um he's chosen to attend the second continental congress which will meet again in philadelphia in may of 1775 so here's a fun little thing Sam and John Hancock go to Concord, Massachusetts to a- attend the Provincial Congress before heading to Philadelphia, which is, again, illegal. Uh, they decide to s- stay at John's childhood home in Lexington before they leave for Philadelphia because it's not, like, safe for them to go back. <laughs> right. Because this meeting that they're attending is illegal, Thomas Gage is told to send troops to arrest the members of the Congress and to seize and destroy the military supplies that the colonists have stored in Concord. The Patriots find out that the troops will be heading to Concord, and they start hearing rumors that Sam and John are supposed to be arrested. So the Patriots send Paul Revere to warn the Congress and Sam and John that they're coming not the british though not the british they are the british they are the british this is british again aren't coming paul revere's ride is a whole nother one of those things that like you've heard wrong your whole life that's the really the poem interesting. is very good it's just not accurate yes um which we don't have time to get into but it's still But the british weren't
1: coming because they were all the british
0: yes yes the redcoats were coming or-
1: yeah. The the bad guys are coming. <laughs> the bad guys. The villains are coming. The villains Hurry! are coming. The villains are coming.
0: Oh my gosh. One if by land, two if by sea. The villains approach. So the message is received, not Paul Revere does not deliver it, but that's No, he doesn't you know. finish the ride. No. Um Sam and John escape and the colonists are able to organize enough to protect the supplies. And the first shots of the American Revolution are fired at Lexington and Concord because of this. All because Sam and John were just there. Just there. Just happened to be there. (laughs) Uh, After this, Sam goes to work at the Second Continental Congress... He they didn't record anything that happened there. It was supposed to all happen in secret because they didn't want people's names on certain things because they wanted it to be like a unified. Well, it was treason. Force. Yes, so. also that. <laughs> um, but he's apparently responsible for steering the general conversation towards independence and further and further away from any sort of reconciliation. And this is recorded. He is the person who nominated George Washington to be the commander in chief of the army.
1: Oh man.
0: So like. Sam Adams picked our first president. Yeah, he definitely did. <laughs> he, he wrote the first words against England. He picked our president. Like, he, he is... He did it all. There's a reason he's called the father of the American Revolution. He did mm. it all. On July 4th, 1776, the Continental Congress approves the language of the Declaration of Independence, and Sam, Sam Adams signs it. So again, big deal. And I learn all about it in a schoolhouse rock song. Heck yeah. (laughs) Uh, During the war, Sam serves on the board of war and calls for harsh punishments for loyalists because he is afraid that they will break the unified force that the colonists have, which is, you know, fair. Um, But that's about all he does during the war. He's a lot of the politics behind it he's not a lot of the actual like on the ground like well he wasn't a soldier he wasn't a soldier um and some other episode we will probably talk a little more about the war but not today not today uh sam is the massachusetts delegate who is selected to work on the articles of confederation which was basically our first constitution Um, Sam pushes for an emphasis on state sovereignty because he thinks it's really important that the states be able to govern themselves and not be under the control of a tyrant government. He's the original states' rights man. (laughs) He sure is. Uh, the Articles are sent for state ratification in 1777. Massachusetts ratifies them in 1778, and they are fully ratified in 1781. So if you're not from America, you might not know stuff gets sent to the states, So many states have to say yes, we will do this, and then eventually, after so many say yes, the whole country gets it, has to be on board. Yep, basically. So that's why there's that gap between when it gets ratified by some states and when it gets ratified. The
1: whole country isn't on board, and then you go to war. That's a conversation for another day. Uh, in
0: 1779, Sam returns to Massachusetts and drafts the new Massachusetts Constitution because they can't use the charter anymore because they're out. Um, with John Adams and James Bowdwin, I think. Bowden. Bowden. Sure. Bowden. I don't know. Bowden. Who knows? Um, (laughs) which is amended and then approved by voters in 1780. Around this time, Sam starts to suffer from tremors in his hands that it's like a degenerative, um, nervous disease that he has. Um, and it makes writing really difficult, So, which is all he does. (laughs) Um, He decides to retire from the Continental Congress in 1781 and returns to Massachusetts to continue working in local politics. So this is when he decides to retire from, like, national politics. Mm -hmm. Um, Back in Massachusetts, he often serves as the moderator for the Boston Town Meeting, and he's elected to the State Senate for several years. When he goes back home, this is when Sam gets back into the Puritan value of virtue in politics. Oh, boy. His favorite topic. Um, he and John Hancock had a falling out at some point during the Continental Congress. Drama. Drama, intrigue. I don't know what the falling out was, but they had it. <laughs> um, and so a lot of Sam's writing about virtue virtue in politics is now directly against John because he has, like, a really extravagant lifestyle and he thinks that, like, a politician should be a servant and not, like, a rich man. A rich man. Basically. Which is, like, one and all the concept.
1: concept. (laughs) What a concept.
0: So he is opposed to John when he runs for governor, but John was elected as the first governor of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts in 1780. Uh, Sam – this is also rad – Sam promotes and helps uh, getting Boston to provide a, pre- a free public education to all children, male or female.
1: Heck yes. We that's, don't curse on this podcast. We,
0: <laughs> but, like, that's huge. Yeah. Nobody cared about females getting educated. But Sam was like, I don't care. Give everybody education. They got to make the beer. Why can't they do other things? <laughs> And I'm sure, you know, education for women and men looked very different back well, then. But still yeah. that, that was a that was a radical um view. will take have. it. And that's for it's, now. it's so weird. He like flies back and forth from being like, Yeah, give everybody rights to being like, Hey, public theaters undermine civic virtue, so we should not have theaters in Boston, which is another thing that he did. Like, why is he like that? <laughs> oh, man. Why does he just fly back because and forth? Because he's a like man. That? Yeah, it's wild. Like this idea popped into my head. Therefore, it is correct. Yeah, it is yeah. a lot. In 1786, Massachusetts is struggling economically uh, because they had a war, and now life is hard. Um, and farmers who are angered by high taxes arm themselves and occupy debtor courts, and this is known as Shay's Rebellion. Uh, The governor then, James Bowden, whose name I can't pronounce, Mm -hmm. uh, sends militiamen to shut the rebellion down. Sam supports the decision to shut the rebellion down with force, and then Hmm. someone's like... Hey, doesn't that like contradict all of your principles? And Sam goes, like, "Like, against
1: literally everything you said before.
0: (laughs) Sam's like, no, I don't think so. Uh, Because during the revolution, we needed to rebel because the government didn't represent us. But now the government represents us. So so it can do whatever it wants to us. We can just solve issues through government and not through rebellions. But, like, hey, Sam, hey, Sam, maybe if some of your people. Are rebelling? Then maybe they're not being represented, Sam, and maybe we should pay attention to that. Huh, buddy? You ever think about that? <laughs> huh? Did you? Did you? Did you? Did you? Um, a few years later, he would also support suppressing the whiskey rebellion for the same reasons. He thinks now that their government is different; they don't need to rebel anymore. And like, mm. I, I get it, but also, I don't. No, your government sad. isn't representing those people. Obviously, like, you should do something about that. <laughs> In 1787, the Philadelphia Convention meets to revise the Articles of Confederation because stuff like the Shay's Rebellion had started popping up and they were like maybe our uh articles are busted and yeah, we it should needs do like something.
1: like a little about work, just, like another draft. <laughs> yeah. Can we workshop it a little bit. We could So,
0: it. instead of a- revising the articles, they draft a new United States Constitution because they just really needed to reset.
1: <laughs> Learned about that in Schoolhouse Rock too. Uh-huh. I was the only kid in my class that already knew the preamble to the Constitution. Same! schoolhouse rock.
0: Because we watched them at home all the time.
1: I have a DVD with every single song on it,
0: and yes. I'm not kidding. Yes. I Yes. I'm going to take it to school with me so I can use it in my classes. It's my favorite. Uh, Sam is originally against the new Constitution because he disliked the strong national government it would establish because he was afraid it was going to take away states' rights. Um... Sam is elected to be on the Massachusetts ratifying committee for the Constitution in 1788. Uh, by this time, Sam and John Hancock had reconciled to so their friends again, uh, stronger than ever, and <laughs> which they're not because they're both getting old. <laughs> each other BFF necklaces, all was well. Yeah, everything is fine. Yeah. Um, together, they agree to support the Constitution as long as it can be amended. Which ended up being a lot of people's position, because they were like, "Uh, a lot of this sounds good. There are some things that need put in there, though.
1: Yeah, well, and that was the whole problem with the Britons' constitution. Yep. It was so set in stone. Yep, yep, yep. Thank God that they decided to do it that way, because now we have a living document that can change. Yep.
0: That's why every time people are like, the Founding Fathers would roll in their grave, they literally would Actually, they they planned for this. They made it so that we could be a country for a long time. They planned for it to change on purpose. Yes. So don't come at me with that nonsense. Right. Um, While Sam is attending the ratifying convention, his son Samuel dies at 37. And Sam's getting old. And so that's, you know, a hard thing that he has to deal with. It rattles him um in 1788 sam allows himself to be nominate nominated for the house of representatives because he wants to work on amending the constitution uh but he loses to a guy who was like the constitution's fine which was not surprising uh but he continues promoting amendments uh and he's part of the movement that will work to create the bill of rights and like if we didn't have that our constitution would be totally busted hmm so again for about the thousandth time in his life sam continues to be on the right side of history like there were a lot of people who were like it's fine but he said no it needs to be a living document and he made sure that it was a living document
1: mm-hmm.
0: so after the bill of rights are added sam is a full supporter of the constitution he's like we've done it we're good <laughs> in 1789 he is elected as the lieutenant governor of massachusetts and he becomes the acting governor after John Hancock, who was the sitting governor, dies in uh, 1793. And then the next year, Sam is elected to be the governor of Massachusetts of his own right. Like, he didn't just get him the, the job. Yeah, he runs and he, and he gets, gets elected. elected. Uh, in 1796, Sam takes after my old pal George Washington <laughs> and declines to run for re-election and decides to retire from politics So he ends his term as governor in 1797, and that's the last time he works professionally in politics. Uh, Sam has an essential tremor, which is basically just, like, the peak of that degenerative issue that he had, uh, Mm -hmm. which makes him unable to write for the last few years of his life, which is sad because, like, that's – All he did his whole life. And the fact that he was like, I'm going to retire now. And he couldn't keep doing the thing that he liked to do. Like, yeah, but at least he, at least he had the choice to retire. Yes. And like,
1: he didn't have to continue writing. I'm
0: telling you, George Washington had it right. I know, right? (laughs) He knew what was up. Mm -hmm. Well, Uh,
1: in some respects. Yes,
0: yes. (laughs) In this respect. Yes. Uh, Sam dies on October 2nd, 1803 at the age of 81. Which was old for that time.
1: Yeah, that's a long time to live. That's, yeah,
0: then. yeah. Well, and most of his, like, really important political work didn't start until he was in his 50s. I know. Some people, most people were dead by then. Yeah. That is wild. <laughs> most people were dead by then. You know
1: what I mean? <laughs> like... I do know what you mean. It's just a funny way to say it.
0: <laughs> um, he is buried in his family plot next to the victims of the Boston Massacre. In the granary burying ground. He's still there. We saw his grave. It's still right next to the victims of the Boston Massacre. Um and that was it. That was his very cool life that he lived. And you
1: know, if I remember correctly, didn't John Hancock have one of his, his yes. uh servants buried there as well? Yep. Yes, he did.
0: Both of so them he, had uh black, black men in pe- their yep. family plots. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But that's him. That's Sam. I that's Sam. love him. I think that he's really interesting and, and such an important figure. He does not get nearly enough credit for well, because it's not did. it's not flashy. Yes, but he well, did all the groundwork. And then later, his cousin became a bad president, and that's oh, the only really Adams bad president, remember. like the worst president. Yeah, that's the only I'm Adams that we remember do. because. Yeah like because he was so bad at his job <laughs> well and, and he had a a, bi- a higher position he did but sam like is literally the reason we had the revolution like yeah. he's the one who found the words that we needed and he never yeah. stopped promoting that and he laid the basis for propaganda in america which you know which is a di- which is a whole different beast but, but it was effective and it's yeah. a
1: fascinating thing too. and that's study. that's the,
0: that's the thing like a lot of these people, you'll start learning about them and you'll go, ah, I think they're really cool. I'm going to go learn about them. And then you'll learn some stuff that's not that great about their lives. Yeah. But that's what makes them so interesting and so important. They're complex. They're, hu- uh, they're human beings. And when right. we get talked, when we get like, l- we learn about them in school, we get taught about them. We don't think of them as human beings. We're well, just like, figures. This guy point. wrote this, right. and that was what he did with his life. And that's just not an, an accurate representation of these right. people, and that's why I think it's so cool to learn about them. So there's Me there's too. my boy, Sam.
1: Hey, well you know what, Amanda? Um, history's great, but today's cool too. What's your favorite thing about modern times? God, Welcome I to
0: modern times. Love it every time. The Thank theme you. Song is so good.
1: Welcome to modern times. It's a segment of the podcast where we talk about things that we like about now. Yeah. About today. What's hip and relevant and cool? Do you want to hear mine? Yes, of course. Historical tours. Yes. I'm yes. fascinated with historical tours. I, yes. And this is timely because we're talking about, you know, Boston and our we had a trip to Boston and the first like touristy thing we did (laughs) was we went on a walking tour of part of the Freedom Trail and I'm so into tours like this like the tour guide was in full costume and character in fact she was John Hancock's wife yes she sure was (laughs) and she told us all about it but it's like so fascinating to me because not only are tour guides like so knowledgeable and they can tell you so much stuff that you don't learn in school and you know being like in it and learning about it is so interesting and fun but I'm just like fascinated with the concept yeah because like when we were there all I could think about was like these people that we're learning about now never could have imagined that this would ever be a thing first of all because the concept of a person leading you around and teaching you about things is probably <laughs> weird to them <laughs> and it is weird it's a weird concept <laughs> being like and here's this and here's that you know it's weird mm-hmm. um but also did j- they just like n- didn't know that they were going to be that important
0: yeah and they that didn't all know of those that, things like, would
1: still be there, like we were going to the preserve
0: fact, their houses for years and years yes, and years. Like yeah. the fact
1: that we walked through Paul Revere's house, like he would not have ever thought about that, or yeah, or the old state house, which is now a museum, which they would have never, you know, thought of. So yeah. I'm just fascinated with historical tours. Yes, they are they're so the much greatest, fun. Yes. and I recommend them, even if they're kind of cheesy. Of course, they're going to be cheesy, but, but that's, that's half, half the, fun. the fun. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yes. And your tour guides know stuff, so ask them questions.
0: Yes, like I, my favorite things to do is ask tour guides um, what their favorite blank is. Right. You know, whatever. Uh, like what when we were in
1: the granary, buried. I ground. asked,
0: I asked who her favorite lesser-known um, figure was that was buried in that burial ground, and she said nobody's ever asked me that before. Yeah, I and then always, we got a cool
1: story. Yeah, that she never gets to tell. So I
0: always always ask a question like that because they know so much more than they have time to tell you about, and yeah. that you're always gonna find something fun and interesting by asking them questions, and like that's that. gonna
1: make your experience more one-of-a-kind yeah totally because they go off script
0: and that's yes. more interesting yes that's my thing um mine is finding new music love that i love finding new music me too because there is so much music in the world <laughs> And I spend so much time just listening to the same 12 things over and over again. Same. Uh, but when I find something new that I really, really like, it is just, like, so cool and fun. Like, that's why I like um, Spotify's Discover Weekly so much. Because mm. I find stuff that it's like, yeah, I do really like that. And you knew that. And so you just gave <laughs> it to me. That's so nice of you. Big like, I have found so many groups that I listen to, like, a lot now because... I, they were recommended. Because to Big me, Brother I, is watching. Yep, yes. Or I just, you know, like stumbled <laughs> upon them and I, I think the activity of like sitting down and listening to a group's like whole discography is like so fun. Love that. Yeah. Love finding new music. Yeah. That's a good one. Thank you.
1: Well, um, next time we're gonna finish up the tutors. Victory! The last one. And a great one to end on, too. My favorite, The personally. best one to end on. Yes. We're going to talk about Elizabeth the First. Yes. Um, and you know what, listeners? If you have suggestions for what you'd like to, like to hear us talk about in the future, or if you just have questions, comments, concerns, feelings, you can email us at rememberthatpod at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us at rttpod. Um, please share the podcast on Twitter. Yes. Love it when you do that, share the podcast anywhere yeah. and um, subscribe to us and rate us on iTunes because that's we love that. <laughs> um, and if you want to find me online, I am at The Real Anna
0: Webb and I'm at ACW Nerdfighter. Nailed it. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's all. So until next time, remember that time.